0: I'm the voice where freedom rings. You're the love your bright heart brings. We are the wave starting to spring, for we are the change we sing. We are what the world is becoming, and we know it won't be long. We all hear change strumming. Won't you sing along?
1: We are Mr. Casinas and Mr. Darling, and you're listening to
2: A Day in the Life.
1: Hello, HTS, and welcome to episode 36 of Day in the Life. February has been another incredible month of student life programming. From all of the amazing activities our DEI council planned and executed in celebration of Black History Month, to our In from the Cold initiatives and walk, to our Pink Shirt Day recognition, HTS students have once again proven themselves to be caring stewards of important ideas and issues and engaged citizens of our world.
2: This month's podcast is specifically focused on the incredible month we had celebrating Black History Month. It was such a positive and educational month of activities throughout the school, and we wanted to highlight a few of the things that happened. Before we get started, we must say a huge thank you to all members of the DEI for their work and leadership this past February. None of this would have been possible without their incredible leadership and that of their teacher advisors. And speaking of the DEI, let's start with a conversation with Deborah about the vision for Black History Month this year. So I'm sitting with Deborah, our leadership prefect, but also a member of the DEI Council and we're of course we're talking about Black History Month. And I'm I'm just wondering, Deborah, you've been at this work for a couple of years now and from your perspective, uh, February's wrapped up. How did Black History Month go for you for you and the council?
3: Um, I think this year was really, really impactful, especially because we aimed to get Black History Month throughout the entire senior school. And I think this was one of the first times where we felt we saw Black History Month displayed in the classrooms and outside of the classrooms fully. So I say that this year was pretty successful and probably one of our most successful years as a council for Black History Month.
2: I would agree with you. I think uh, this year was so successful from everything I've talked to and everything I saw and, and was part of. Um, Black History Month was was such a a successful initiative. I'm just wondering, in your conversations with the Council and uh, Leader Nikhil, um, did you come up with anything you might do differently, though, next year, or just improve and make it even better for, for the future?
3: Um, I think one of the biggest things we wanted to do differently was now that we've had um, two years successfully in the senior school, we wanted to spread it throughout the middle school and lower school. We think that um, lower school and middle school should have the opportunity to learn something about Black History Month, even if it's super small. um, We think that they should also be included. So I think one of the biggest things is getting it through to become a full school initiative rather than just senior school.
2: Deborah, I'm wondering about um, through all this amazing work and you worked with uh, a big council and and your community and the senior school and other places, but I'm wondering on a more personal level um, what you've taken away from this work and and all the time and effort you put into it.
3: Um, I think one of the biggest things that I've learned this year throughout Black History Month is that I need to lean on my dedication and passion for the initiative because over like two years of doing this work, it can get tiring and um, you can feel discouraged, but if you remember why you're doing what you're doing and that you're passionate about this, then you're able to overcome those types of obstacles. Um, and I think th- that's one of the most important things of getting through um, like difficult times as a council is if you remember that you're passionate about this and you wanna see something get done, and that passion is what's gonna help you overcome any obstacle that you face as a council.
2: Fabulous. Well, you've certainly brought, brought a lot of passion. And I'll just transition into my last question. That would be, um, Moving forward, you're going to graduate this year. We're going to lose all your great energy and passion. But uh, for the future of a DEI council, uh, what do you what do you hope for the future at HTS?
3: Um, I hope that one day our council isn't necessary. Like, we don't need to have a diversity, equity, inclusion council. That this work is just done seamlessly throughout the school and that Um, our council isn't something that is a necessity. I think that the whole point of the council is so that we do this work, we introduce it to the school, and then one day, it's not something that we have to do, that it's a part of the school completely. And so I hope that one day I can come back to HS and see our work done completely throughout the school and Diversity and Inclusion Council not be necessary anymore.
1: As part of our Senior School TAG program, there were several different initiatives and speakers helping senior school students explore the theme of everyday experience. HTS alum Anthony McLean offered a great talk that explored the issues around microaggressions, not being a bystander, and the need to create brave spaces. Here are the reflections of a few students after his talk.
4: My name is
5: Chloe and I'm from Class 9 IJ and a takeaway I had from Anthony's talk was that Anthony was a former HTS student and Richmond Hill resident and it made that, this presentation all the more impactful for me. Hearing personal experiences really
3: stuck with me.
1: I took away to stand up for what is right.
3: My name is Serena from Class 9 IJ. My main takeaway from Anthony's presentation was how we need to allow growth to get change. Without teaching people what is wrong and what is right, there's no way that we can have an anti-racist society.
6: Racism has barely gotten better because we are all still having these conversations. My view on this issue has changed for the better and I feel more well-informed and comfortable about um, talking about these things.
2: Not only were there some fantastic activities in the senior school tag but the presentation on microaggressions was also delivered to the middle school by our senior school middle school prefects Erica and Hannah. So I'm talking with Hannah and Erica, our senior school, middle school prefects and uh, they were both responsible for bringing some great conversations down to the middle school about microaggressions and the everyday experience and I'm wondering, uh, Hannah, if I could start with you, can you just explain for our audience what uh, exactly your, your presentation was all about?
4: So the presentation talked about the everyday experience of black people. So a lot of it, we talked about microaggressions, the different types of it, and just discriminatory encounters. And then we also chose to highlight black Canadians and Americans and their contributions to society.
2: So Erica, I'm wondering um, why it was that uh, you and Hannah felt it important to bring these, um, these messages down to the middle school and do a presentation to them. Could you tell us a little bit about that?
6: Yeah, so I think that it was very crucial that we had this talk with the middle school about microaggressions and about the everyday Black experience, because I've noticed that a lot of people don't actually know what microaggressions look like and sound like. So by presenting the middle school with some examples, um, hopefully they will be more considerate about the things that they say, and hopefully... That we can save some people from being hurt by these microaggressions.
2: So I understand part of the presentation was to ex- have the students ex- explore some of the common microaggressions that are out there, and I'm wondering, Hannah, could you maybe pick one from the list here and explain for our audience uh, what's what's wrong about it and what uh, you know why we shouldn't say these things?
4: Yeah, for sure. So. I'll pick the one. When I look at you, I don't see color. So the issue is this, is that you're not acknowledging their racial difference and you're denying the person of their racial color, and their eth- which means you're denying them of their ethnic experience.
2: Erica, I'm wondering if you could uh, do the same. Could you, uh, is there one from the list that you could sort of explore and explain for our audience?
6: Yeah, so one common microaggression that the middle school looked at was, I'm not a racist, I have several black friends. And I hope it is obvious as to why you shouldn't be saying something like this. But basically, some people say this to kind of get rid of accusations about themselves that they might be racist and that may be because they say anti-black things or it could be for a bunch of reasons. Um, And this person chooses to use their black friend almost as like a token to get out of this uh, situation and kind of sweep these accusations under the rug and justify the fact that they're not racist because they have a black friend and just because you have a friend that is black does not mean that you are not racist
2: apart from hts alum anthony mclean We also had Rania Mujamar come speak to us on a variety of issues related to diversity, equity and inclusion, as well as anti-Black racism. Here's one particularly powerful segment of Rania's talk, where she linked her ideas to the DEI Council theme of the everyday experience.
7: So as we think about resistance, I want us to start thinking about everyday resistance, right, and the everyday experiences of Black people in the here and now. For many Black Young Black people, when I talk to, to us, to them, um, I hear a lot about how, in fact, many of their experiences of anti-Black racism have taken place in their school journey or in their educational context and have made them feel largely um, unsupported, unheard and misrepresented or not represented at all. And it's really important to remember that the everyday experience of anti-Blackness for, for Black people takes place in every institution. It takes place in healthcare, where Black people are less likely to receive life-saving interventions, pain medication or breathing supports. 50% less likely, in fact. More likely to wait longer in hospital waiting rooms. Um, less likely to get a specialist referral. It can happen in the um, criminal punishment system where we know, for example, that in interactions with police, Black people are 20 times more likely to be harmed, um, and also 20 times more likely to be stopped and carded or stopped and frisked, um, and also receive harsher prison sentences. We can also see it in education where Black people are more likely to be expelled or disciplined for things that don't get other students so much as a detention. So the question for a lot of us, right? When we sit here and we learn about this is, what do we do about it? What can I do about it? One of the most important things to remember is that we are bearing witness for one another. We have a responsibility to speak up when we bear witness in ways that support and affirm people's lives.
2: One of the other incredible elements of the DEI Council's work this month was the teacher resource package they put together. Here's Council Member Michaela to tell us more about it. So I'm sitting here with Michaela, who is a member of our DEI Council, and uh, I know, Michaela, you helped put together um, this great resource of uh, information for teachers to use in their classrooms. And I'm just wondering um, if you could tell us a little bit about what it was or what you were trying to do with uh, your fellow members of the uh, council.
4: Yeah, of course. Um, For Black History Month, we looked at all the courses throughout the senior school Um, we divided up each course and looked at the curriculum and we aimed to align the curriculum along with other resources um, that we could provide teachers with to do a lesson just to inform people about black history and um, initiatives that they could work through.
2: That's fabulous. It sounds like it would have taken a long time and an incredible amount of work. How long did it take you?
4: um it took us about a month or two to put this all together there was a group of us working through it Um, we had it all divided up into different sections that we would work through
2: so michaela i know last year the dei did something similar but uh maybe it didn't go quite as planned so what what was different this year and why did you want to give this kind of uh, resource package another try
4: So last year the DEI Council had provided um, lessons for a few of the classes. However, this year we wanted to make a bigger impact throughout the senior school and provide resources to every class um, that teachers could look through and they'd be able to just read it and have a whole lesson planned that would take up about one or two classes throughout the month.
2: Well, I know uh, throughout uh, my conversations with people in in senior school and. Even middle school, there was a lot of traction. A lot of people picked up some of these uh, lessons, and I, I'm hopefully we, and I not hopefully. I know it actually worked well. Um, do you have from your own experience? Uh, did you see uh, these resources land in any of your classes?
4: Um. Yeah. So for my economics class, um, the DI leader was actually in my class, so our teacher had him go through the lesson. Um, it took about one class. And for Writer's Craft, Dr. A um, looked through our resources that we provided, but he has well added in his own resources and continued on for about 20 minutes at the beginning of each class, just going through um, some of the stuff from Black History.
2: And last question for you, Uh, as a result of all your hard work and and kind of working through this process, what have you you maybe taken away from this, uh, your involvement with the DEI and this kind of effort? Have you learned anything about yourself and or um, even Black History Month that you didn't know before?
4: Uh, Yeah, 100%. I learned a lot of new things just from this club. Um, We also learned that we could make, there is much more we need to do to make a bigger impact within the community. Even some differences as small as just changing some of the textbooks or books within classrooms to authors with um, a black descent would make a big impact just to make people in our community feel more um what's the word like involved and feel safer within the community absolutely
2: well thank you very much for all your efforts uh in the dei and thank you for your time today thank you so one of the amazing things that the uh, DEI Council did as part of Black History Month is they put together a, a resource package of information that teachers could take and use or adapt to their various classes. And uh, a lot of teachers did some pretty cool stuff. And I'm sitting here with our middle school math teacher, Sarah Bunny, who uh, brought this, uh, some of this information into her math class. And I'm wondering, Ms. Bunny, if you could just tell, uh, first of all, tell our audience what specifically you
3: did.
5: Yeah, so we took the resources um, that the council provided us um, and I planned a mini research project for my grade eights to, to, uh, uh, to do. Um, so they got to choose between four mathematicians um, and they researched their mathematician with the goal of answering three questions. Um, who was the person? Um, What did they do in their field? So mathematically, what were their contributions? Um, And then the third piece was the EDI. So um, one, what kind of barriers or discrimination did that person face in their personal lives or career? Um, And then how did they take that discrimination or those barriers work past them um, to advocate for themselves, for others, uh, to further um, their work in their field?
2: So what I love about our conversation, Ms. Bunny, is the fact that, uh, for me anyways, sometimes we don't often think of a math class as a place where we can take on some of these other issues, issues such as these important ones around Black History Month. Can you tell us a little bit more about what your end goal was for, for creating this kind of a the assignment?
5: Yeah, I think at the end of the day, I just wanted my students to recognize that mathematicians um, come in all shapes and forms. and um, at different ethnicities from different parts of the world um and often it it's it's um the underrepresented people don't get to have their voice um so i just wanted to allow my students to help develop those voices so we can continue those conversations
2: so this is such a great project, uh, Ms. Bunny, and, and I guess my last question for you today is um, what were the students' reactions to, the, to this project? What did you hear them say or, or how did they react to um, being asked to take on this kind of maybe even extra uh, consideration in, a, in their math class?
5: Yeah, I, I loved how um, personally invested my students were in, in the project. Um, I think the biggest takeaway for me was um, hearing them make connections, not just with um, like black mathematicians, um, but mathematicians that fit their own culture or their own identity. Mm. Yeah, cool. um, so it was, it was more so like, oh, here's this person, but now how, how can I or who else can I seek out that kind of fits, um,
2: that kind of fits me? Um, so that was really cool. I love it, so thank you very much for your time and uh, have a great day. In our last segment for this episode, we went to talk to our head of library, Miss Nadia Warner, who arranged a number of different library guides for students and teachers in lower school to read during Black History Month.
1: Here's our interview with Miss Warner to talk a little bit about her choices and to read from one of her favorite books.
2: So Miss Warner, um, when you're setting up a lib guide for something like Black History Month, what guides you to make the choices that you do, and, and perhaps why did you pick this particular book for, uh, for Black History Month?
0: Well, whenever I'm talking about something historical, particularly with our youngest students, um, I always want to make them aware of whose story we're telling, and who is it doing the telling, whose voice are they hearing. Um, the second thing I'd like to make them aware of, get them thinking about, is that history is not just... Way back when and long ago, history is now, that we're living in history, that we're making history. So I always want to give the historical context, but also bring in something that's more current um, and today. So this particular book was a choice because it's a young person, it's a living person. um, And when I'm representing and showing things that are not of my own experience, then I want to be sure to bring in the voice the voices that do represent the group we're talking about. Um, the other thing I'm guided by in selection across everything I do is um, the idea that, of Dr. Rudine Bishops, who was a children's literature researcher in the States, and she was the first person to call books, windows, mirrors, and sliding glass doors. And so I'm always looking First and foremost, to make sure children have representation of themselves, of their families, of their lived experiences in the books they see. Um, If it's not their own experience, and that, therefore, is a window to them in another world, another experience that's not theirs. And maybe most importantly would be the fact that a book can be a sliding glass door. So through someone else's experience, through someone else's lens, they can step into the shoes of another
1: Ms. Warren, I was wondering if you could share with our audience, what is the message of this particular book, and how does to support Black History Month?
0: Well, this story is really a call to action. It, it echoes a lot of the sentiment that uh, the author has in, had in her inaugural poem as well, um, but in a sort of a smaller, you know, bite-sized way for our youngest students. Um, it centers the voice of a marginalized group of people, um, but in a way um, that is understandable and relatable for young children. Um, It relates to Black History Month on many levels. I use this with younger students. I think you could use this all the way through high school um, because of the images of people like Martin Luther King, the the graffiti wall that's depicted. There would be points of discussion for older students that my younger students may not pick up on. Um, I'm asking them to pay attention to the more overt message, uh, Mm -hmm. which is one of kindness and inclusion and the things we do in our community, the choices we make every day um, that affect others and trying to make those positive choices.
1: And I think it's great that one of the powerful things about a book is that it can be read to different audiences and with the different pictures or images like you said hold a whole different level of message as well.
2: So I'm wondering um, how our students responded to this book and, and maybe how... Could you tell us a little bit about how you challenged them to connect to some of its themes?
0: Sure. So. Before I read a book, we always do a little bit of a prediction or a picture walk or something to set them up. Um, so I ask them in this particular one just to notice. What, what do you notice uh, that the author is inviting us to do? Um, then after I've read it, I ask what connections they made in hearing it or in seeing the images. I do a turn and talk to each other um, to share sort of one thing they noticed or to build off the idea of what their partner said to them. Um, and then just sort of share out some of those ideas, highlight some of those themes. So for my youngest students, this book really comes down to making positive choices and how we treat other people. Um, and daily opportunities to be kind and inclusive, when we could also choose the opposite. And they've often got lots of anecdotal things to tell me about, about those. I'm <laughs> tied into recess behavior often, um, mm-hmm. using the language of their classroom and the you know the social emotional learning they're doing, the kinds of words they're using to talk about how we treat other people. Um, with my older students, I might challenge them um, to make a bit of a higher level connection to, to, the, you know, to what's happening in their community, what's happening in, in our country, and what's happening in the world. So it, it is very different class to class where that conversation takes us. This is Change Sings, written by Amanda Gorman, illustrated by Lauren Long published by Penguin Random House and read with permission of access copyright. I can hear change humming in its loudest, proudest song. I don't fear change coming, and so I sing along. I scream with the skies of red and blue streamers. I dream with the cries of tried and true dreamers. I'm a chant that rises and rings. There is hope where my change sings. Though some don't understand it, those windmills of mysteries. I sing with all the planet and its hills of histories. I hum with a hundred hearts, each of us lifting a hand. I use my strengths and my smarts, take a knee to make a stand. I'm bright as the light each day brings. There is love where my change sings. I show others tolerance, though it might take some courage. I don't make a taller fence, but fight to build a better bridge. I talk not only of distances from where and how we came, I also walk our differences to show we are the same. I'm a movement that roars and springs. There's a wave where my change sings. Change sings where? There, inside me, because I'm the change I want to see. As I grow, it grows like seeds. I am just what the world needs. I'm the voice where freedom rings. You're the love your bright heart brings. We are the wave starting to spring, for we are the change we sing. We are what the world is becoming, and we know it won't be long. We all hear change strumming. Won't you sing along?
1: Well, that's all for this week's episode. We want to thank all of our contributors for helping us create another vehicle for student voice and initiative at HTS.
2: We hope you'll tune in next time for a very special guest host spot from our media and PR prefect, Jesslyn. We know she's going to have a fabulous show of her own design for you all. Until then, bye for now.
5: Uh, That's all, folks.